Welcome to the Healthcare Insight Podcast. I'm Eric Silberman. And I'm Jane Crosby. Thanks for joining us again. We're really excited to have Julie Rose from Common Spirit Health on the podcast this week to talk a little bit about social media with us. Yeah, system manager of social media at Common Spirit Health. And she had a lot of really interesting perspective. One of the things that had some great corollary, I think we talked about it a little bit in the podcast interview, was how her perspective lines up with Joe Polizzi's perspective, who was also on the podcast a few weeks back, in terms of where to focus in terms of in a universe with so much to do, how do you decide where to start? Yeah, I agree. I liked that perspective too. I, you know, I was asking her about new channels and how they experiment and test out new tools like um, TikTok and Clubhouse and other new players in the space. And her view is really, you know, focus on where healthcare consumers are at and interested in engaging with your brand. And I think that's smart, especially for organizations who are really large and have finite resources to manage a lot of tasks to be done. I totally agree. And I thought, you know, her perspective was also good on some of the, the specific channels that, that she's managing. And Jane, I think you had some some good perspective on um, on Google My Business in particular. Yeah, I liked that Julie brought that up a lot because I think sometimes we don't think about Google My Business as really a social channel and it's not. It has a lot to do with location management and reputation and reviews and things like that. But the posting through Google My Business is something that I think healthcare marketers should really be leveraging this year because it's an opportunity to share content when people are looking for your location through through Google Maps. So that's one that I would really recommend our audience to take a look at and make sure they're up to speed on. and and leveraging to its full potential. The other piece of our conversation that was fun was hearing Julie describe her experience as a digital nomad. We've had guests talk about taking road trips during the pandemic, but Julie actually pulled up stakes and has been living on the road for six months, traveling around the country and documenting her journey along the way. You can follow her adventures at juliebrose.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-B-R-O-S-E.com or on Instagram at juliebrose. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I haven't left Minnesota and North Dakota since last March. So I thought it was really inspiring and, and lucky her to be able to work for a great organization fully remote anywhere in the country. Well, don't take our word for it. Let's hear from Julie in person uh, in this great interview. Julie Rose, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, we're excited you're here, but I have to say, where is here? So I've been, uh, I was, I was watching some of your your personal video blog too. You've you've unplugged and undertaken a, a world tour during uh, work from anywhere. Is that right? Yes, I um, I'm on my sixth month of full time nomad life, which has really brought me all across the United States, from the west to the Midwest to the Southeast, and now I am I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, for the rest of the week, and then I head off on another jaunt. So good stuff, good stuff. Well, so I was watching, you know, as as part of your jaunt, you're doing a lot of content marketing in your personal life and a lot of content marketing in your professional life. Talk a little bit about the intersection of those two things. Well, I mean, I think um, we've seen personal and professional lines are blurred now more than ever. I, you know, I find like that it's important to always experiment to learn, to continue to, you know, um, stretch yourselves in all areas. And, and honestly, you know, working in healthcare, you're a little bit limited and how creative you can be sometimes. So I, um, I definitely try to express my creativity in my personal life and, 
that includes the blogging, the vlogging, the um, fun creative formats like reels and Instagram stories and um, and live streaming and all of that. So I, I feel really happy to have that opportunity and I'm able to be well-rounded. That's awesome. Good for you. You know, I am, I am interested. You mentioned, you know, it can be a little work content marketing can be a little constraining relative to, to personal content marketing. I certainly understand that, but, but any kind of insights or anything that you've gleaned along the way and in, in some of that personal content marketing that has been able to translate to some of the things that you're doing in the social space uh, on behalf of common spirit. Yeah, actually. I mean, I think there's a lot of trends that you see that can translate over to brands. One creative example that I saw our team in Arizona published was a where it started, how it's going, those types of trends. I think you see that kind of stuff everywhere in personal content. I think you can uh, translate a lot of that over to brands. I think there's, you know, the put a, put a finger down. There is tell me a, your blank without telling me your blank. And it's fun when brands get to be a little snazzy, get to be a little personal, get to be a little trendy. And um, just because you're in a certain industry doesn't mean that um, it's off limits. Good stuff. One of the things that we'd love to kind of hear, hear a little bit of your perspective on, because it's something that we interact with a great deal in, in our own content marketing work. But when you think about organic social and engagement, and, and maybe even contrasting that a little bit with the paid social and that kind of acquisition model, tell us a little bit about your philosophy on engagement and content for social on behalf of Common Spirit. Sure. Yeah. So actually, maybe first, let me tell you a little bit about Common Spirit. Uh, we're relatively new to the scene. Common Spirit really is a result of the merger between Dignity Health and CHI in 2019, CHI standing for Catholic Health Initiatives. When we merged, um, it made us the largest nonprofit healthcare system by revenue in the United States, 140 plus hospitals, 700 care centers in 21 states. We employ 150,000 people and treat 20-some million per year. And my role with Common Spirit is really to spearhead that social strategy across our geographies. We have multiple logos. We have multiple identities across Common Spirit. So really what unifies us is our registered tagline, which is Hello Human Kindness. And that goes on our commercials and our billboards. It's a beautiful, overarching message. But those words really come to life through our staff in the halls of our facilities. And we have personnel who are responsible for demonstrating that human kindness brand promise on social media and digital channels. And so, um, you know, part of that strategy, that engagement first approach is our response strategy. That's how we can truly demonstrate human kindness on our channels. And in the past few years, we've made sort of a fundamental shift from content to engagement. Content is, of course, a piece of a brand's social strategy, but it's really not the only piece. Content um, is the means by which you create engagement. And really, engagement is our goal. We would rather have um, highly engaged followers than just a lot of followers. And, you know, believe it or not, that's just as true for positive comments as it is for negative comments. 
think we know, um, and we've known for a while, customer service, you want to respond to negative comments, but a lot of times you have some positive dialogue that, okay, well, they're not, they're not complaining, so you don't really need to do anything with it. No. I think overall, you know, consumer expectation has changed. People expect brands and businesses really to respond, to respond quickly, both to themselves, to others. It's really um, expected to be a dialogue much more than ever before. And um, part of that engagement first strategy that we employ, we can't control the messages that come in, but we can control how we react to it, what others see, and we really try to demonstrate that the human kindness attitude or approach that we exhibit on social, that's going to be representative of the care that you would receive in one of our facilities. And um, people are not going to get that impression from just a commercial alone. They have to see you walk the walk on your right. social channels. And, and that's something we really try to demonstrate. So I have to say, I did see, I saw the brand anthem piece for Hello Human Kindness. And I mean, I, I love it. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And, and it really resonates with me, this idea of making sure that we're walking the walk and, and not just, just telling the story. I read that um, you've been part of an initiative that increased this adoption of social listening from 37% to 90% was, was, was in the notes that, that I was looking at. And this social listening feels like a really big piece of what you're talking about. Can, can you talk to us about social listening and how that plays a part in your ability to respond to the good and the bad? Yeah, yeah. Social listening is definitely a part of that. I think that particular metric is, is about the adoption of our tool that we use for monitoring and management as well. Um, and maybe I'll talk about that um, here is we do have a, an all-in-one enterprise platform for social media. We use Sprinkler. And with being structured how we are, kind of how we're built is we have a, a national office with lots of, uh, national office where a lot of us sit with specialties, expertise in areas of marketing communications. Then we have a lot of folks out in our facilities, out in our divisions, on the ground, and they're the ones with more direct um, relationships with the communities. And so the way that we're built, we really needed a tool that allows us to sort of manage thousands of accounts, 100 plus social media practitioners and agency personnel with level of permissions and capabilities that are specific to what that person's role is and what they need to be able to do their work. So um, that is something that really allows us to manage all of those things. And the statistic you, you described, when I arrived at then Legacy Dignity Health three and a half years ago, adoption of that tool was really, really low. And um, there wasn't really a specified expectation you need to use a centralized tool. People didn't really know how to use it. And so I have been very focused and let's get consistent. Let's let's be you know held to the same levels and and methods of measurement and you know how else are we going to report on what we're doing how else are we going to tell if we're being successful how else are we going to benchmark against each other and social media you know data is important and and that's another aspect of what we use in sprinkler is its powerful reporting we want to know you know what performs the best and where, what's the best format, what is the content tone to take, so we can benchmark against ourselves 
in the past against our peers in the other divisions, see what our competitors are doing in that space. And um, that's something that we're able to do. So I think another aspect that you mentioned, social listening, we can better understand potential crises on social media. We can look at that data, we can analyze social and digital conversations around a particular crisis and understand, okay, how often are we actually mentioned in connection with this particular situation? How negative or neutral is that conversation? What's the trajectory? Is it on the up and up or is it winding down? What percentage of total conversation about us is even related to that? Maybe it's just a tiny, tiny sliver. So all of that allows us to make this this informed decision about the issue spread or or lack of spread to sort of objectively with data say, do we respond publicly? Do we let it blow over? And the ability to do that provides a ton of value to our stakeholders in our regions and at the national office. That's great perspective, Julie, and really impressive work that you've done to generate alignment across such a large organization. One of the things I was really curious in asking you about is how you approach experimentation with new social platforms. So in our business, Facebook and Instagram are obviously kind of dominating the conversation and our clients focus in social media, a little bit of Twitter and, and LinkedIn in the B2B space, but with Clubhouse and Snapchat and TikTok and all of the new tools that especially the younger demographic is using. How do you create experimentation and encourage and support your various organizations and using those new platforms? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's a tough, that's a tough question because with healthcare, um, your audience is not always going to be on the newest channels necessarily, um, at least our, our target audience right now. But um, experimentation is important. And and also prioritization. So I think, you know, when we look at Common Spirit, we have 5,000 plus accounts. We have like a combined one and a half million followers. It's a really big operation and we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. Um, if, we, if we go after every single thing that's out there, then yeah, we're going to be spread pretty, pretty thin. And so it's looking at each channel, it's looking at those audiences and it's exploring the different formats that do exist. So I think, you know, obviously Facebook is the bread and butter where most of our fan base is. And we actually, and, and I know that other healthcare organizations have not gone this route, but we have a Facebook location page set up. And um, basically that means that every single one of our locations has a distinct address, um, with a distinct address has its own page. So you can check in there, you can leave recommendations. And to us, that's important for user experience. They want to know, they want to know exactly want to use Facebook to map sometimes. They want it, we want to make sure they're leaving a review at the right place they went to. When they send us a comment and they say, I had a really bad experience, you want to know what place did you actually go to? Why are you sending this to the corporate page? You know? So that is something that we kind of looked at. What are all the the what is all the rationale for this approach? And what would be the rationale against it? And how do we work and work close to, to moderate any kind of opposition to that approach? When it comes to Instagram, Instagram is kind of growing at a substantial rate. For us, that mimics other verticals too. A increasing amount of effort is spent there that's exploring kind of the new, newer formats, the Instagram stories, which is reminiscent of Snap, obviously. 
Um, IGTV, that's a little bit like your Facebook Live. Reels, obviously, that is reminiscent of TikTok. And um, we already have audiences there. So we are exploring those new formats. We're just, we're just exploring them on the pages that we already have an audience there. We already have an audience on. And so we know, for example, Instagram is prioritizing reels in the newsfeed. So I've, I've really been encouraging our division teams to experiment there as much as possible. And then our creative team has also been um, working on reels to, to distribute to our division teams. And I think another priority channel for us actually, maybe believe it or not, is we're spending a ton of time on Google My Business. We want to make sure our listings are optimized. We want to make sure that we're being responsive to reviews. And actually, we've, we've just started exploring some of the newer Google My Business post types. And these, um, and maybe not a lot of other organizations know about this, but these are message types that you can send out as your Google My Business page. They show up in that third pane in the search results. So they take up more real estate in on the search page and, and kind of strengthens or beefs up what you have there. And um, we've just started kind of working those types of messages in. So it'll be interesting to see see, um, you know, what kind of results with Google we might get or what kind of bump we might get off that. Yeah, that's a great point. And I appreciate you highlighting that as kind of an important channel. One question I have for you, one of the things that we hear from a lot of clients is a question around how often they should be posting on social. How do you view that across common spirit? And have you put any standardization around um, should organizations be posting once a day on their channel, six times a day? Any feedback to share for our audience on that? Yeah, yeah. So my so my role first um, is really obviously from the system office to support the division related to the communication function. And so I develop universal strategies and approaches to social, and these global strategies are sort of applied on a local level. That involves some best practices, some guidelines, and and part of the work that I have done to put together is optimal posting cadence. And um, that can be obviously up to a division's discretion in case they have a lot going on that day, um, or perhaps they don't have the content to support it, then you don't wanna just be putting garbage out there. But I think you have to look at the lifespan of some of these, these channels. We know that if you post something on Instagram, then 24 hours later, you're really not gonna still get a lot of engagement on that post like you've got you've got your maybe 24 hours window and then that that starts to like trickle away so that being said if you're watching this if you're paying attention to what's happening with your data if you publish something on instagram and then six hours later you're publishing something else well guess what you've just cannibalized that first post so it's keeping a track keeping track of that lifespan and you can see this with how you know, when do you get the engagement on a post? Track that. I mean, YouTube, obviously totally different. You put something on YouTube and that's going to pick up steam over time. You, you're not going to get a ton immediately on, on your YouTube video. So you've got to kind of balance that. And all of this involves looking at the data, which is obviously really important. And I can keep preaching that, but there is a method to the madness. It's, it's a matter of um, how, how, are you watching the metric? 
you know, we had um, Joe Polizzi, the founder of the Content Marketing Institute on the podcast um, several, several weeks ago. And he talked a little bit about kind of really focusing in on a couple of channels that you really want to own and be great at. And it's interesting to hear some of your focus on Facebook, Instagram, Google My Business as like the, the places that you want to own and experiment inside. You, you talked early in our discussion about social media being about engagement, not about content. And, and I'd love to just kind of follow that, that thread just, just a little bit more. You mentioned you don't want to just build any audience. You want maybe not the biggest audience, but a really engaged audience that you can make a difference with. That resonates mm -hmm. with me. And, and, I, and I see the connectivity to that and what you're sharing with us now in terms of cadence and how you don't cannibalize your own message and you make sure that you're serving on something that's really relevant. But what are some of the other things that, that you would encourage healthcare marketers to think about? if they're thinking about social for engagement, not just social around content? Yeah, well, I think kind of my biggest piece of advice, it is a, a little bit of a, of a mind shift, but you know, back in the day, you'd create something really cool and you'd post it and you'd be like, all right, I'm done. And then you know, you'd move on to the next part of your job, but the magic happens after you post it. And then you see what, what the dialogue is around that. And that is your that is your golden opportunity. That is your window to jump in and and engage, to jump in and you know, I'll just maybe give you an example how it started, how it's going. We have a picture of one of our hospitals a hundred years ago, it was maybe just a tiny little building, um, all in black and white, you know, um, very nostalgic feeling, right? And then you compare it to wow, the mega center that we have today how it started, how it's going. And then you have tons of commentary. Oh my gosh, I remember, you know, just down the street. And by the way, my grandma used to work there and, right. you know, da, 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 da. You, you see all these comments coming in. So there's your opportunity, you know, jump in as the brand. We'll say, say hello to your grandma or thank her, thank her for serving our community. And you continue to build off that. And then as as you as the brand is commenting, more people, they're like, oh, cool. Like we're having a discussion here. So they, you know, first you've delighted the people that did comment. You've kind of given them a little bit reward. We see you, we hear you. We, um, we're we, like, we're validating your opinion by being responsive to you. Other people see that. They're like, ooh, well, what are they going to say back to me? And yeah, it takes time. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to customize your responses like just the same as you're talking with anybody you know you're just developing the persona and the voice and tone of the brand but you go ahead and and look at the rich conversation that you're going to that's going to occur as a result of that and we found after sort of implementing this approach engagement breeds engagement so sure. if you're struggling with engagement the more that you as the brand is there listening to your people, the, the more engagement is going to happen as a result of that. And now we've just evangelized this community who is going to continue to see our content in their feed. They're going to continue to want to engage with you because they get that little validation from you. And I mean, I think it just goes back to sort of human psychology. We want to be heard. We want to be you know, we want to be noticed for our contribution. It's great stuff. Um, I, I wanted to ask kind of a, it's just a little bit of a shift of gears, but it's, but it's in the same, same context. You mentioned your role as um, kind of 
national leadership around the strategy for social and how that connects down to the divisions. And there's some best practice in there, but it's a very large organization as you articulated. It's got a lot of moving parts. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you found or, or what, what you can share for some of our other listeners who are leading these national organizations and thinking about how you distribute expertise from a centralized place, but, but also serve the individual divisions and markets in a way that allows for that context and allows, allows things to make sense at the local level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that can be a challenge, certainly. Um, you know, I don't want to sit up on my high horse and tell everyone how to do things, right? I think, I think it's definitely a give or take. So, you know, I mentioned part of my role was providing some of those best practices and those guidelines and the analysis and the insight on performance, but I'm also your main point of contact when it comes to vendor relations. Hey, we have a problem with, with Facebook and we can't get access to our account. Well, guess what? I'm I'm going to be the one that's on the line with them that is filling out the admin dispute form that's getting it notarized, dealing with all of that. So you don't have to. And oh my gosh, we have a crisis, Julie, we need you. And by the way, I have gotten called at 10 o'clock at night because we don't know what, we don't know what the right course of action is. And we want to lean on someone who, ha- who is constantly dealing with this in all our markets. So um, it's a little bit of a give and take. Yes, I, I give some guidance, but I also offer, you know, that, that I'm, I'm one of those people that, they, that can plug in whenever they need help. And so I, I think that has, once they've seen me come through for them, then it's a little bit easier to, okay, I'm going to try this thing that Julie suggested and we'll see how it goes. I love the, I love the, the kind of balance of opportunity to provide strategy and direction and opportunity to provide support so that there's kind of that real kind of trust and, and two-way street with the team. And, and I think that that resonates and, and makes a lot of sense. Well, Julie, this has been fun. I, you know, before we wrap though, I want to, I want to ask you, so what's next in nomad life? You're in Richmond, Virginia today. What's, uh, what's on the agenda and how, how do you decide where to go next? So after Richmond, I'm going to Nashville, actually. So I'll be in Nashville all of April and, um, and May, perhaps Texas. I, it's, it's really kind of whatever I feel like. It's maybe where is the weather going to be good or where do I have friends um, or where have I been or haven't been. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just really excited and happy that I'm able to be a digital nomad, that my employer has empowered me to work 100% of the time. So we work remotely 100% of the time and, you know, I'm healthy, I'm single and I'm financially stable. So if your job can be done on, online, then I'm, you know, going to see how far I can take that. So just kind of living life day by day and month by month. Well, it sounds like you're living the dream. I love the idea that you can just go wherever the weather calls you to. So in Nashville, doesn't sound like a bad, a bad next step either. Julie, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you.